0: Welcome, this is the Ethiopia Next Gen podcast. I'm your host Nate McCondon, and today my guest is Yonil Balletta. Yonil is a very experienced person working within the travel and tourism sector, born in Boston, Massachusetts. You travelled back to Ethiopia when you were quite young, went back again to the States to study and then finally returned to join the family business Karifta Resorts. Now, if you know anything about travel and tourism in Ethiopia, you've probably heard of Karifta Resorts. It's a quintessential example of a homegrown entity and is a pretty good success story that I think can inspire a lot of people. You work in the operations manager capacity and really I want to talk about your sort of your background, how that transition was for you going from the US back to Ethiopia or should I say to Ethiopia for the first time, how you coped with that and we'll talk about COVID-19 and the impacts of COVID-19 on tourism in general. So you know it's a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you for having me. Excited. I'm glad I'm at least the second person on this podcast.
0: So, <laughs> No, listen, it's uh, it's honestly great to have you on today. Um, and I think people are going to find it very interesting uh, hearing your story uh, more than anything else. You know, uh, uh, Kariftu is a very well-known brand and company in Ethiopia. Uh, but really what I want to dive into uh, to start with is, your transition into Ethiopian society you know born born in the U.S. and a lot of our listeners are diaspora and it really is geared at trying to you know you know connect and build bridges so let's start by unpacking what that was like for you how it all started and what that transition was like going into Ethiopia.
1: Um, So I was born and raised in Boston Massachusetts in the United States and uh, first generation Ethiopians being born there so uh is a very interesting uh, i guess like time uh, growing up there up until the age of 11. uh and i came to ethiopia for the first time when i was nine uh so my dad thought that it'd be t- it was time for us to come and see the country and then um unfortunately for us like we, we were so invested in living in america that we weren't as happy to find that that we were moving to uh ethiopia as he was um in fact like when we moved we went to ethiopia for vacation Uh, he already uh, had started working on the Boston Day building, which is his first project. And uh, he also had me shadow one of my friends that moved to Ethiopia two years earlier. And I was wondering why I was going to the school. uh, Like it was Christmas break and I had to go to Sanford for a day. And he's like, did you like the school? Do you like the school? I'm like, yeah, but I'm not sure why I was going there. I thought he wanted me to see how uh, uh, people who, who lived in Ethiopia, like what their school was like, just so I could have the experience. But I didn't know that I was actually shadowing for the school that I'd be attending for the next five to six years I thought I was I was just there to see the country for the first time and also meet all my uncles and he's like one of 15 so uh, <laughs> There was people that I had to meet for the first time so But then once we moved to Ethiopia when I was 11 in 2003 um, It was a little bit difficult because uh, you know I uh, it's a it's a different culture especially from boston east coast uh, didn't have uh too many uh like ethiopians in the community we do have some but like not like it's not like that big of an impact on your life uh, when you're younger unless you're in the church every single weekend and then uh went to a primarily like white school like jewish school so uh coming to ethiopia and kind of learning um i guess how to mesh with the culture, learning to like Ethiopian food for the first time, uh, which is my favorite now. (laughs) And then um, just like, uh, I don't know, there was a little bit of friction because uh, of the cultural differences. Since the age of 17, I've I've always been like interning at my dad's place. So, uh, which is Kuriftu Resorts, um, the first one inside Debreze. And then uh, from there, I just kind of got used to working in the business. I started to enjoy the the prospects of, boosting tourism doing something different especially like focusing on the aesthetic as well as the functionality uh, which uh, our brand is usually known for embracing the culture Uh, and for someone who who came to the culture and wasn't born within the culture um, it's a kind of like a it's it's an interesting dynamic that uh, you see that's why um, a lot of people don't expect me uh, to be the one like, uh, I guess, designing certain certain things like right now, since I've been back for the past five years. Uh, people don't expect me to think of the cultural element. But that's mainly because my father uh, has been such a great uh, instructor and, uh, you know, mentor for me uh, and also my siblings.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um- yeah, I mean, that's quite a big change in culture. Um, what was it that actually helped you sort of transition really easily into the culture or made that process a little bit easier? Obviously, you've got a big family, you know, 15 uh, uncles. But was there anything else that, uh, you know, you found helped make that transition a little bit easier?
1: I mean, yeah, having family around was uh, one thing, but also just like making friends with people that actually lived in Ethiopia their whole entire lives. They kind of like, you know, lead you down like the correct path because, uh, you really have no, no idea how to mesh well with the culture, especially yeah. from the that I had. Um, but uh, basically like getting to know my cousins, kind of understanding like, you know, uh, the, the basic lingo in Ethiopia, that was like, you know, a little bit of a challenge. Um, and then also being called an Oreo all the time because uh, <laughs> <laughs> being black on the outside and kind of white on the inside uh, at the time. Mm. Um, now I feel like... Uh, I've kind of adjusted to it, uh, especially now that when I moved back when I was uh, 22, um, I kind of understood like what uh, was expected of me um, in terms of like uh, how I should approach uh, balancing both cultures between uh, the Ethiopian culture plus, I guess, like the international Western uh, perspective, should I call mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that I think, helped me quite a lot because you don't only think within one box. You try and, like, try and be in the middle of a Venn diagram, essentially. So... Uh, I think that's something very critical.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you you finish your schooling in Ethiopia. You then decide to go back to university. You go to the University of Boston. And then you decide, well, I guess you have a decision at that point. Am I going back to Ethiopia or am I going to live it out in the U.S.? And sort of tell us about that decision-making process and what you studied at uni.
1: Um, so I went in uh, planning on becoming a geneticist in the first uh, year, and then my second year I changed my major to uh, business with a focus in uh, operations and technology management. So I studied a lot of things like w- w- with regards to like logistics, uh, process flows, uh, Kaizen. Um, I also did um, uh, Six Sigma. So I I was only became I only became a green belt, but you can obviously become a black belt in Six Sigma. So. It's all about like quality control, having, uh, I guess, like the, the smallest amount of defects. So I was thinking, how can I apply this to our business? Like, how do you uh, make it more efficient? And especially uh, our company at the time uh, was very resistant to change in terms of technology, um, in terms of marketing as well, because we kind of had a certain way of doing things. Um, so uh, once I, I guess after my first year and I uh, knew I wanted to go into business, I said, I actually announced at my sister's graduation party, and she's a year younger than me, that uh, I wanted to uh, pursue, you know, working with my father. Um, And then it just kept me much more focused because even when I was in college, my dad used to send me uh, the, I guess, like the monthly reports, uh, told us to give uh, our own uh, suggestions. Uh, And obviously, uh, when you're coming from, uh, like, basically when you're in university, you're thinking, oh, everything I learned in a textbook should be 100% applicable to what I'm doing in real life. But you realize that, uh, I guess, the environment that you're working in is much different than what it is over here. Uh, instead of uh, being hired and, uh, I guess, or buying a certain process or, or an SOP that you can actually fit into, uh, you actually have to come up with your own way of doing things and then eventually standardize it to whatever uh, fits, uh, I guess, the mold of your industry.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for you, I mean, you've gone back and you've joined a family business. And I think that's absolutely amazing if it works and when it works. And uh, I know I've spoken to a couple of people, at, you know, have come to some of our events and they're thinking about joining their family business. Maybe they've got a little thing going on and they feel they can add value. Um, but they're a bit uncertain about that whole, you know, family dynamic, mixing family and business. What would you say is like, you know, your kind of take on that? Uh, you know, working with families, seems you have been now for a number of years. And what advice would you have for someone who's thinking about doing that? And also, um, a second part of this question really is about exposure. And what's your perception on uh, the value of you know being outside uh, of Ethiopia and bringing back to Ethiopia something of value? Uh, how how much can that add to to whatever's going on in Ethiopia at the moment in terms of you know progress and progression and development?
1: I guess like the main thing that I've noticed from people that have moved back you actually have to have a passion for what you're doing and if it's your family business it doesn't mean that you necessarily like it or not so um, for those who are pressured by their family members and have no interest in what their family members are doing and want to pursue something else but want to work with their family just for some sort of monetary gain or like some sort of uh, security Uh, because people just, you know, they want to be able to survive and also live like a sustainable lifestyle. Um, I suggest not joining your family business unless you really know how to add value to the business. Um, If you're passionate about it, you'll eventually learn how to add value because you're always looking for ways to improve it, tweak it. Um, Always this like, you know, sense of continuous improvement. Um, And uh, back to the point where you said, uh, should people uh, go abroad and gain skills and come back? Um, if you have the opportunity, why not? Because, uh, the main thing I, I see, uh, especially for our industry is exposure. If you have exposure and you've been to restaurants in other countries and different cities, uh, all over the world, then you can take little notes. You can understand, you can get a taste for things. Um, it's like, uh, I always argue with my dad, like, why don't we just like only have Ethiopian food at our restaurants now? Because, um, Uh, to to teach a chef how to make something that they never grew up eating and don't really have an understanding or a concept of it or they've never been able to afford um, uh, that particular meal at one of those restaurants in Addis Ababa or never had the chance to eat something uh, of that same level or a little bit cheaper in another country uh, is quite difficult and Ethiopia has such a great food culture uh, that I was like why not just like perfect it and then make it uh, make that the standard But you have people coming from abroad that expect you to have uh, certain dishes, certain types of, uh, I guess, uh, ways of doing service. And that fusion of, uh, I guess, ideas is what makes a superior product.
0: Fascinating. Fascinating insight um yeah brilliant okay so let's take this now towards tourism uh, more broadly speaking um we know i mean we hear in the news you know ethiopia's year on year gdp growth economic marvel and all this you know the, the fact that the economy is booming and has been for several you know years we hear about this and it's great news you know it's been a bumpy road especially in the political sphere but in the economic sphere it's definitely on the way up and I want to talk about tourism in the sense of, you know, the changes that you've seen now. I was in Ethiopia. I remember going to Ethiopia in 2003. It was actually the first time I was there. And it was, let's just say, it was a very different landscape. Um, Today, Ethiopia is on the rise. So in the field of tourism, what do you see happening the most? What changes have you witnessed, you know, demographically, where people are visiting from? What changes have you seen in the time that you've been working with Kariftu? And what does it indicate to you about the kind of future prospects for Ethiopian tourism? Because frankly, you know, with all the abundance of culture and, you know, UNESCO heritage sites that we have, you know, it's clear that we're not tapping into that potential. But let's talk about, you know, what you've seen as the biggest change.
1: I think like maybe the biggest uh, trend that I've seen for tourism, uh, I wouldn't say would be uh, the the like the peak of like it, it like the peaking of international interest but it'd be the actual diaspora youth coming back uh, back in the day uh, you wouldn't see too many people that were coming back unless they lived in ethiopia at one time if they went to an international school or went there for university or something like that now people who've never been to ethiopia before but are of ethiopian uh you know uh, uh heritage or blood uh, are starting to say wait like through social media you can see that everyone's having an amazing time here Uh, It's not what everyone like only portrays through the news or through YouTube or whatever it may be, Um, and then now everyone's taking like the chance and the gamble because I can understand like if you're you've grown up in America and your and your parents are Ethiopian, and you've never been to Ethiopia and you're at this point maybe 21, 22 years old, uh, you wouldn't maybe have like the biggest interest of going if someone didn't take you there yourself uh, by themselves. So. For people to make the decision themselves and use their own money to come to Ethiopia, I think that's something uh, very remarkable in its own because now it's become a viable tourist destination. And for it to be a viable tourist destination, it has to be uh, something that's uh, attractive to your own people, even if they've never been here. And I mean, once they come here, then they start to understand how interesting it is, how many uh, uh, different industries are still at its infancy, and then You can literally uh, start thinking of different business ideas. And I think I saw that quite a lot in uh, December and January, uh, uh, like 2019 December uh, and uh, uh, 2020 January. Quite a lot of people were just brainstorming ideas. Some people have never been here or maybe it's been 10 years. They're like, wow, like there's so much potential here. And that's what I really wanted to see. Because those people moving back, that's, uh, more, uh, like, that's more valuable than having an international tourist come to Ethiopia. Because those people will come and develop the country. They'll also have more of a, a sense of uh, loyalty to different brands that they enjoyed while they were there and had great experience with, experiences with. And there's also the return factor. They'll come back because it's, and it, it'll feel more like a home, a home for them. Not only as a second home, but it could become a first like myself.
0: Incredible. So I think the message is loud and clear to the diaspora come back home invest travel visit your own country and you know by doing so it's it's a win-win you increase your awareness and experience of your own country but you also contribute to the local the local economy which is fantastic um so yeah very briefly as well if you can just tell us where else you know where else are you seeing visitors coming from you've got the big increase from the diaspora but where else they're coming from are they coming from places that you don't you know you won't traditionally expect uh and then following on from that what is your experience with tour operators? Cause I, you know, my understanding of tour in the tourism sector, you know, you need to go to the tour operators, you need to sell them packages and, or you want to be part of their packages. How are they viewing, you know, the appetite for travel to Ethiopia and what's that experience been like for you?
1: In Kuruftu, in particular, um, uh, there's quite a lot of Arab com- uh, customers that come, especially during the, like, the dry and hot season. Um, a lot of Djiboutians come to Ethiopia, uh, during the summer, actually, uh, last year, uh, once the borders between Ethiopia and Eritrea like were, were somewhat opened, then uh, around a third of our customer clientele were actually Eritrean for that summer, uh, for four months, <laughs> according to our data. Yeah, so it was pretty interesting. So we can see like East African tourism, uh, and I think inter-African tourism should be the biggest focus for us because it should be, uh, the, but the I guess like it should be the biggest focus. But the biggest issue is that um, it's not as uh, easy to travel from one African country to another, especially with the price. Um, to go from uh, from Ethiopia to Kenya might cost uh, much more than what it would cost for for uh, the, maybe like a person from DC going to California, and it doesn't make any sense, especially when it comes to the distances. So I think that's one thing that people are pushing for, obviously for uh, the the free visas upon arrival arri- on, upon arrival uh, being able to I guess apply for your visa online as well has also changed this as well um, especially with all the the AU con- uh, all the African countries going together um, so uh, when it comes to the international tourists uh, I've been on uh, on uh, on like uh, fam trips and uh, different uh, uh, trips going to different countries in Europe trying to bring in tour operators to come to Ethiopia but The interest usually lies in uh, countries that have uh, safaris or functional safaris. Um, Don't really uh, pay attention to Ethiopia as much because uh, we have more of a historical emphasis when it comes to tourism. And I guess now um, the best way to start getting more people to come to Ethiopia is to focus on the adventure side um because that's what people want especially for people who've only seen africa through the lens of a of a tv show or a movie or through social media or through national geographic um they want to do something that's exciting uh rather than uh, coming to a place just for the history itself which is also a plus as well but uh main focus is usually on animals when <laughs> everyone asks me do you have the big 5 I'm like I guess, but it's not like as well populated as other countries like (laughs) Kenya, so on and so forth. So it's usually a downer for them when they hear that. Mm. That when we say we have uh, so many world, like UNESCO World Heritage Sites, um, uh, you know, the source of the the Blue Nile, so many different things, but uh, it just doesn't uh, like stand out as much. But I guess uh, if we compare these different uh, places with the correct infrastructure in terms of exciting hotel brands, Um, having the the correct amount of activities available so that it's not just a one-time thing going there because if you go to a place and it doesn't have good accommodations there's not much to do but you see let's say uh, Lali Bella or something like that you might only go once
0: that's right yeah
1: going back again and again and bringing other groups with you because it's not really incentivizing for the person that's trying to return
0: Yeah. No, you're right. And, um, you know, as you're speaking there, I was just drawing up the parallels between, you know, the tourism sector and the business world. You know, similarly, there's a huge increase in the number of people going back to Ethiopia to do business. Um, And again, you know, when they go, they're also going to want to have things to do. And I guess... It's about having a plethora of options, you know. When I, when I travel to Ethiopia, I know that after if I'm spending any more than two three weeks, I'm kind of running out of things to do, um, you know, that are not work related. Um, and so, you know, increasing the options, uh, like you say, in the, in the sphere of, of adventure and recreation, it's going to be a huge boost to the overall package that Ethiopia can offer to the world and to to, 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 to tourists. So, yeah, no, really good. Um, and I guess we're going to talk about the things that Kariftu are doing in that sphere. And I know that there's some major projects going on at the moment uh, that you guys are involved in, and we'll talk about that. Um, but first, I want to just quickly touch on the big news of the year, COVID-19. Uh, talk to me, you know, how's it been impacting you guys? You know, what, what are you guys doing to try and mitigate it? How bad's it been? Uh, let's just get this negative stuff out of the way first and talk about
1: it. I mean, when it first started off, uh, we weren't really sure, like, how big of an impact it would have on Ethiopia. And then of course, with all the travel restrictions, uh, the bans on uh, you know certain types of uh, industries within the, the country, we're like uh, d- definitely the, the, the hospitality industry is gonna be hit uh, quite hard. And then especially with the quarantining, uh, it's not very incentivizing to come to a country where you have to stay in a hotel for two weeks uh, and then eventually test it afterwards. And then after that, uh, you'll go straight to another hotel or you'll go and stay with family and you'll self-quarantine again Because you don't want to uh, be closed um, So in terms of occupancy uh, Everyone's been suffering whether you're a hotel in Addis whether you're a hotel inside uh, Deborah's Aid, Bahardar Everyone's been suffering um, It's come to the point where uh, the, there's been a need for uh, the hotel associations to, to, to start working together the De- Debra's Aid Association, the Adisawa Hotel Association, everyone's trying to, I guess, fight for a way to survive through this. Uh, it's just like, uh, and am- it's it's just very difficult at this point, um, especially when you're used to seeing so many crowds of people coming around after having such a successful, uh, I guess, diaspora season is what I would call it inside January, and then uh, to see everything kind of just like drop down in March. Uh, and just see like maybe like a few people coming in. At one point actually we had one person staying at the resort for maybe two weeks and that person was by himself. Uh, so uh, it was nothing to do with. <laughs> and then you, the, the, I think the biggest impact is also on the staff because you're not sure how to approach it. Um, if you're not able to afford their salaries, uh, but uh, they still have to work for, uh, for a living and you can't let them go. Uh, furloughing is not really a thing in Ethiopia yet and then uh, you can't just fire a person because then you have to pay severance as well and that puts companies into an even bigger problem Uh, so it's a very big like ethical issue Um, and we're very lucky that uh, we haven't haven't had to do any firing and that uh, everyone is still getting paid 100% but at the time uh, you you have to start negotiating with everyone to see if uh, they're willing to take less because you're not having there's no more service charge uh, and basically income goes down to nothing unless even catering is not even a viable option for for hotels. I guess the only hotels that would be doing well would be the ones that are offering themselves for quarantining uh, that's a mandatory like you know uh, two week check uh, per person so uh <laughs> And that has obviously dwindled because uh, no one was uh, planning on coming here to to begin with, unless it was seriously for business or to be with family or to bring their kids back from university because they didn't want them to be exposed or to be alone.
0: mm Wow. Wow. I mean, that is a huge impact on business, and uh, and I'm you know. I mean, I've, I've, I'm hearing this from people from all different types of sectors, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, tourism is one of the big ones that's really been hit. And uh, I guess kudos to yourselves for, you know, holding on to all your staff and being able to pay them. Um, I think that's that's really commendable. And and we, we you know, trust, uh, I mean, you know, I trust I'm speaking for, for most people, that, but we hope that you guys rise out of this and we have faith that you guys will. Um, but yeah, no doubt one of the most... Um, Shocking things to any industry, Uh, and I think tourism is right up there at the very top. Uh, But yeah, let's turn this now to something more positive, uh, optimistic, and future facing forward facing, I should say. The um, projects that are in the pipeline um, for Kariftu, let's talk about them. I know there are some pretty major ones, I know that there's one in particular uh, that's in Addis or just on the outskirts of Addis that's um, pretty monumental. Tell us about, you know, what you guys have in the works and what you're currently working on, the projects that you're working on, and what they'll mean for, you know, for tourists coming to Ethiopia in the near future.
1: Um, so the current project that we're working on, we actually started it on February 3rd. Um, so uh, we're approached uh, to go uh, check out Entoto Park um, and then uh we basically saw so much potential inside of it uh me myself it's probably my second time going to Intoto. the only attraction that it really had for me before was uh, the end uh, museum where uh, you could go see a couple of relics from the past and then see the church and then not many people were hiking trekking through the forest unless it was kind of like on a personal basis but it was not really the infrastructure for it so now, uh, the Intoto Natural Park. What they're doing is they're basically building the infrastructure and roads, uh, traveling through it so people can hike on um, a more controlled environment. And uh, what we've been doing is, once we were given the opportunity, starting from February uh, second or third, um, we literally went to South Africa the next day, uh, in terms and we started looking for uh, different activities that we could put inside the park. And then we wanted to look for things that no one's ever done before inside Ethiopia and that weren't really common inside Africa as a whole. Uh, And South Africa is more like the hub for like all this, like, you know, uh, outdoorsy, uh, thrill-seeking adventure, like, you know, activities. So uh, we went there, we tried out a bunch of different things, um, including zip lining, uh, rope courses, uh, paintball, archery. And then we came back and then we've literally been in the park for four months now uh, and we're about 80% finished. Uh, and now I guess I'll have to list out all the different things that we're doing. So we have a main restaurant, which is mainly for catering, but it can also serve uh, people a la carte. It's like kind of like a circular gojo in the middle of the forest. Um, we have a hammock village. So we're going to have about a hundred hammocks with uh, double person capacity. There's going to be live music outside farmers markets, um, there's gonna be a live DJ set as well. Uh, if you go further down, we also have a horse ranch. So we have a stable that has a uh, capacity for 20 horses. Um, there's also a five kilometer uh, uh, horse trail that you can go. And then we're also getting donkeys so that they can carry a on, their, on, the, on their back. So if you wanna have <laughs> during the five kilometer trail, then you can definitely have that. Um, there's also a horse riding area for like beginners if you wanna practice there's gonna be um, a paintball course. So there's gonna be two paintball courses, a paintball shooting range as well for those who don't want to get hit. And uh, also uh, a spa. We have 10 massage rooms, uh, two jacuzzis, and then also uh, a large uh, sauna area that's split into two parts for men and women that's facing the forest. So you can definitely just like enjoy your sauna while looking at the forest during like the sunset or sunrise Um, and the meditation area. It's kind of like a cave with uh, a bunch of like, um, it's like an artificial cave that we built with uh, a lot of little mini spray, uh, uh, um, mini fountains, uh, beds that are suspended over water. Um, and then after that, we also have uh, a yoga platform. So it's gonna have a yoga platform with like kind of like a juice and smoothie bar down below and it's suspended in the forest. So you have like a beautiful view, um, really quiet. There's also a tented camp. We have 50 uh, uh, regular rooms. So they're more like glamping tents. they the ones that you'd see in a safari, uh, which we've already set up 10 out of 50, but the rest are coming uh, next week. And then uh, each room has uh, two mountain bikes, a Weber grill so you can grill outside. You have a hammock as well. It has a fully functioning bathroom, toilet. Um, we also have uh, three presidential suites, for which are kind of like log cabins. So That one can accommodate like families, uh, VIPs, uh, anyone who would really want to just have like a beautiful experience in the forest. We're also doing a 26 uh, uh, portion uh, rope course, kind of like a canopy tour with five mini zip lines embedded into it. So you're literally walking through the forest like 5.5 meters up in the air. And then there's also a zip line that's gonna go over an artificial waterfall that the government is actually making themselves. And it's right next to Zoma Museum as well. They're building like a beautiful restaurant slash artistic display and then there's going to be a, a waterfall and then like a little um, uh, like a reservoir and a dam and then it's potentially going to create a hydroelectric electricity in the future for the park. And then we're going to have a six line split into four parts going over uh, the, the waterfall. Then after that, we have uh, an archery area. So we have uh, around eight targets and then you can shoot from ranges from 8 to 12, 16 and 20 meters, uh, two sets. And then there's also a go-kart course. Uh, We have 20 go-karts, all custom made with Kuriftu branding. They go up to like 75 kilometers per hour. and Listen, have- I
0: think I'm pretty sure anyone that's listening right now is is logging into Skyscanner and trying to book those flights <laughs> right now. <laughs> you know, incredible. Honestly, it's just such an incredible list of things. Now, look, I can see it's getting a little bit dark where you are. Um, so I'm guessing it's getting a little bit <laughs> late. So we're going to try and wrap this up. But, um, you know, anyone that's been to Ethiopia, been to Addis, Ababa, knows. That you know, and Dodda National Park is literally around the corner. Um, it's a very short drive just outside the uh, uh, the city. So having you know all those activities, I, I'm I'm genuinely, genuinely excited uh, for my next trip. I'm going to be making sure I take a trip up there to experience all of this. So to wrap up, um, advice, tips, any sort of advice or message that you have. For, you know, especially people in the diaspora, uh, when it comes to, you know, know, traveling to Ethiopia, visiting their homeland, what what would you like to, what message would you like to send out to anyone that's listening?
1: Um, I guess like uh, my message to the younger diaspora is just take a chance, come to Ethiopia, experience it as much as possible. And one big thing is you should make friends. Staying with family is not the only option that you have because a lot of people get bored staying in their grandparents' house for like two to three months, especially during the summer. So take a chance, meet friends, make uh, different uh, acquaintances, uh, apply for an internship. If you can, do you have a connection? Hopefully there'll be internship uh, portals for diaspora. We're very like interested in coming to Ethiopia to kind of understand the the business dynamic or whatever sort of industry you're in, you're, you're interested in. Um, But yeah, just make relationships when you come here because that's what makes you come back. It's not only the country, but it's also the people. So if you're excited to meet someone there, or if you want to plan a group trip with your friends, definitely come to Ethiopia because there's so many things to do. Um, A month is not even enough anymore. And uh, for those who have the luxury, you definitely try and come for as long as possible because uh, once you come back, then you can explore so many different, uh, I guess, opportunities in terms of investments, uh, whatever you're really interested in, because right now it's a growing country, a growing economy. There's so much uh, room for everybody that it's not just for those who were, I guess like born and raised in Ethiopia. There's an opportunity for you as well. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. exactly amazing thank you so much you um i mean i couldn't have put that better myself there's an opportunity for you as well and uh yeah thank you so much for your time it's been really interesting sort of digging into your story and your experiences in, over the last few years in, in the world of tourism and and the exciting stuff that kariftu's got in store um really it is an optimistic time uh you know ethiopia's going through a lot of changes uh a lot of it's good of course the road's going to be bumpy but on the whole you know Um, Africa and Ethiopia is on the rise and uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you today thank you so much for sharing your experiences and we really do hope and pray that uh, Karifta Resorts and all other businesses you know affected by COVID-19 are able to to get over this um, over this dark patch and 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 rise up uh, once again thank you so much you take care